let's uh, move on because we have a guest here, and he's sitting right here. We were waiting for him to chime in. All right, I I've, just I, 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 I've been containing myself. Yeah, you've been, been taking, taking notes. notes. He took a few notes here. Um, Chris Kennedy didn't didn't as a white person and as an Irish white person didn't they ever tell you not to wear a white shirt when you're on camera? Yeah, but somebody told me this was a radio show. <laughs> yeah, but we're breaking out of breaking out. Going bigger. I loved I loved the the. That was good. The, the rolled up sleeves of the uh, the, the governor uh, candidate uh, gubernatorial thing. candidate yeah yeah uh, about a month ago when you were down at CTU you okay. were the only ones uh, you were the only one who took off your jacket rolled up your sleeves like you were ready to work there you go and are you I am ready to work <laughs> sure. sure so I have to ask um, though you've 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 had a um, an interesting life in the private sector running the merchandise mart and um, uh, several public sector things. Uh, you were head of the uh, University of Illinois system for a while. We got a tax deal this past year that led to a budget, but it really didn't solve everything. Uh, we got a new school funding formula, but it really doesn't solve from year to year where the money's going to come from, much less was it really equitable or not. And we still have this pension thing, which there was hardly any discussion about, now up to $115 billion. Why the heck do you want to be governor? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds pretty daunting. But, um, the truth is, uh, Sheila and I have four kids, and they're, uh, three of them are just out of college, and they're going to make a decision about where to spend the rest of their lives. And we want them to spend it in Illinois. Right we want to be near our kids and our grandkids. We want to be part of their lives. And I think that's the same thing that everybody wants. It may not be for their own children, but for their neighbors, kids, nieces and nephews, and, and for their communities. And we've got the biggest out-migration of, well, of millennials of any state in the nation. Really? With the exception of New Jersey. Hmm. And who the hell wants to live in New Jersey? <laughs> My wife left. <laughs> this doesn't get broadcast in New Jersey, does it? <laughs> uh, we have a few listeners, I'm sure. On the World Wide Web, anybody can hear this, so. But you know, you, you, uh, you, you uh, were questioning why people are moving out. Was it the schools? Was it violence? And, and, and I think it's more of an orchestrated effort. I don't think they're moving. I think they're getting pushed. This is interesting. This came uh, in an email from one of the, uh, actually from Cranes. It said, can I read this? It says, sure. combine with other data. The continuing tale of two cities suggests large numbers of lower income African Americans are fleeing Chicago, even as somewhat lesser numbers of better educated and higher earning whites, Asians, and blacks are coming in. That's leaving the city better off in some ways than it was a decade ago. Who wrote that? That's from Cranes. Oh, Very interesting. interesting perspective. Whoa, it's um, not interesting. It's horrible. And yeah, it's, it's wrong. terrible. It's yeah. wrong. It's I'm wrong. I was getting ready to say, oh, what the hell? <laughs> it's, a, it's a complete misunderstanding of what drives the millennial generation. Those, those kids, that entire generation, which is the largest in American history, bigger than the baby boomers, they're moving into the city cores because they want to be part of American life. They don't want simple jobs. They don't want a salary. They want a life that allows them to contribute to the common good, to cure the big problems of the day. They want to wrestle with those issues. If we turn Chicago into suburbia, they will not want to move here. And 
our fight needs to be the fight to get millennials to stay in our state and stay in the city of Chicago. Making it lily white, clean of all its problems, moving people who are, um, are, are poor out of the city is not going to help us at any level. Cranes is wrong. Rogers Park is known for a lot of independent political activity and the people around this table are, are very much involved with that. But some people say that one reason the younger generation, um, uh, though they want to move back in the city for lifestyle, haven't gotten involved with politics is that it's so dirty and corrupt and everything else. You've spoken a lot about this, cronyism in politics, and you've directly addressed some of the leadership of the Democratic Party whose nomination you're trying to get. What would you do about things like double dipping if you're a property tax appeal lawyer and also the Speaker of the House? How would you change that? I, I think that needs to be banned. I, I think an elected official, you have to realize that state reps and state senators, for most of them, it's not a full-time job. Most of them have outside jobs and outside income. I just think they shouldn't have an outside job that's adverse to the interest of the body they were elected to serve. That's fancy language for they shouldn't be property tax appeals lawyers. And that's a, that's a critical issue because we pay for so much of our government with property taxes that when that system is corrupted, we all suffer, and it's corrupt now. I tell this story that the magnitude of the issue is phenomenal. You, most people don't really understand it, but the Sears Tower sells for a billion, two hundred million dollars. It then gets a billion dollar mortgage on it. Both of those documents, they're recorded at the recorder's office in Cook County, so we have that data. Also, it was reported in the Tribune and, and Cranes as well. So everybody knows about those two facts, except apparently the assessor. As Joe Barrio says, that building is only worth $579 million, mm -hmm. which means there's $600 million of missing value and the taxes that should have been paid on that. Now, everybody else has to make up that tax payment. And the size of it is incredible because, well, in the downtown area, at least, the, generally the buildings pay about 5% of the total value in taxes. So 5% of the $600 million of missing value is $30 million a year. Look, property tax appeals lawyer who represents the downtown buildings, many of them get a third of the savings. Well, a third of $30 million is $10 million. But you get it for each of the three years of the triennial reassessment. So that 10 becomes 30. That's real money. That's not chump change. And that's what's keeping us relying on a system that's inadequate to fund our schools, fund a police force that is community-based and can keep our communities safe, and other aspects of government, which is failing. This uh, system that you are uncovering, thank you very much, uh, has been running since, oh, since my father took part in a torchlight parade in 1960 with Mayor Daley and a uh, young uh, candidate for president. Um, and the, the slating process is totally and wholly owned by, well, a bunch of white guys, sorry guys, but, um, and, and you went before it. You went before it and spoke the truth. Thank you again very much. How did that work for you? I think it, it, it worked great. <clears throat> I mean, in this sense, I, I think that system was originally designed so that you'd have 
well, the voice of the people bubble up. They'd have representatives who would, who would represent their points of view to the larger Democratic Party in Cook County and then, and then to the larger uh, state party. And that from those millions of voices, we'd have a unified platform about what the Democratic Party meant. Today, that's not how it works. Those people do not represent the communities that they're from. They're, they're, meant, they're, they're chosen from above. We have trickle-down politics mm. in a party that believes in bubble-up economics, and that will never work. Those people don't re represent the voters in their communities. They're, they're, they represent the power structure, the state level, sent in there to keep those communities healed. So, Chris Kennedy, wouldn't someone look at you and say, okay, you've been running the Merchandise Mart, your family business, I guess, uh, for 30, 40 years, is it? Um, aren't you part of the power structure? I'd say this. I, I think I understand it, but, but that's not what informs my view of the world. The Merchandise Mart is an incredible place, and you look back in history and see organizations like it around the world. The, the Mart has, uh, when I was running it, had about 600 showrooms. The building next door to the Apparel Center had about four or 500 showrooms. And they were, they were owned by, or leased by manufacturers who mm -hmm. showed their product. And we would run trade shows in those buildings to right. bring customers to those clients. And we ended up running about 90 trade shows a year all over North America, about 10,000 exhibiting companies. It gave me keen insight, I think, into a whole series of different parts of our, of our economy. economy. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that role, that job, <clears throat> that's the job in Germany. There's a, in Cologne, there's the Cologne Fairgrounds operates just like the Merchandise Mart. The guy who ran that, Conrad Adenauer, huh. you know, that was his job. Wow. He had the same job. Wow. And he could see how communal benefit worked not only in politics, in government, but also in the economy as well. And I think that's what the basis of trade shows are, bringing people together and, and benefiting from that communal response. So bringing people together, communal response, we don't often hear from politicians. Another thing that marks Illinois is a huge divide between so-called downstate and Chicago. Now, as a lifelong Chicago, and I see us kind of driving the economy of the state, but I recognize that farmers and other folks downstate, which includes the suburbs, are also important. And yet there is this real antipathy, uh, and you've been going around the state now, you must have picked it up. Um, how do we solve that problem in this state so that we actually are all working together rather than always at loggerheads? I, I would say that the, the, the issues that exist downstate are exactly the same issues that exist in the city of Chicago and the south side and the west side in particular. And I think you go down state, there's incredible rage and anger. People are pissed. They feel like the promise of this country has not been kept. They, they grew up at a time when they believed that the thing that made the United States different than any other country in the world was the notion that we were the land of opportunity where anybody can make it. Where there was unlimited freedom, and they feel that that is not true anymore. They talk about them, themselves, the threat to the homes they own, but more importantly, what's gonna to happen to their children? And they feel like their children are being left behind by an economy that is progressing without them. And largely, they're right. In the United States today, if you're born poor, you will probably stay poor. If you're born rich, you'll probably stay rich. 
If you're born in between, you'll have a life of constant threat and hazard, and that is not anybody's notion of the American dream. Mm, mm, mm. And and it, the poor are poor in the in Illinois largely because they're undereducated. They're undereducated because we have we underfund our schools. We underfund our schools because we rely on property taxes to fund the schools. Every state rep, every state senator knows that we should move to a progressive income tax. Right. 100% know that that's true. We've talked to them on this stage. And, and the Democrats times. had a supermajority in the House, a supermajority in the Senate. They controlled the governor's mansion, did nothing to move towards that system. So why didn't they do that? They didn't do it because their senior leadership are property tax appeals lawyers. They're making money on a system that's crushing the next generation, destroying the lives of people downstate. You want to know where that Trump voter came from? They came from underfunded high schools in downstate Illinois. Amen. And that same, that same underfunding system is destroying the schools in Chicago as well. There are 30 schools in Chicago where the average ACT score is a 14 or a 15. Mm. Those kids are going to have a hard time making it in this economy. Yeah. Chris Kennedy, could you talk a moment about what you see as the state of the Democratic Party, both nationally and locally? I think it's a party in, in chaos, looking for its future and for its voice. Who do we represent? Mm. Who do we represent? Do we represent the big banks? Is that who we represent? You know, Jimmy Carter, he, he, he was for many the soul of the Democratic Party, but we have inflation in the United States. The major corporations come to him, they lean on him, and they say, look, the way to solve this is you raise interest rates high enough, we can put enough people out of work, we can save the economy. If we destroy their lives, we can save the economy. And he does it. And, he and it. interest rates go to 20, 21, 22%. Millions of people lose their jobs. Millions of those jobs never come back. Right. That was, and and that, we need to understand that that's part of our history. That's part of our history in the Democratic Party. And we need to understand that we are capable of doing terrible things to people. And yet, we could do great things for them too. We just have to decide what part of the party we, who in America we want to serve. Who in and America one of the terrible things serve. that we might have done that we're learning now may have not been the best solution to another problem was the war on drugs, which put a lot of uh, young men of color in particular behind bars when maybe they needed something else. War um, on drugs and the, you know, three strikes. I mean, there was a whole series of yeah. bad decisions. So, um, wouldn't legalizing cannabis not only bring in more money to the state, but solve one of the major criminal justice issues that cost so much money? Well, I, I think that the, the, the reforms that we've had around decriminalization in Illinois um, went a long way. We can go further, I believe. I certainly think that we should make medical marijuana much more accessible than it is in Illinois. It's not as accessible as it should be because right. politicians got involved in that decision. They should have deferred to the medical community and to basic science. Instead, they inserted their own opinions. My belief about marijuana is that we should leave it up to the doctors, the medical community, the scientists, and that we should study the issue for a short duration, maybe six months, put a team together that consists of mental health experts, addiction counselors, people in the science, and, and, and whatever they decide we should embrace. That work, that science, that 
research is not being done by the federal government because a handful of Republicans in the Senate and the House prevented the Center for Disease Control from studying the issue. But we have great researchers in Illinois. We can figure it out here. So Chris Kennedy, it's great to have you here, by the way. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for coming up. Um, what, is, what is your neighborhood in Chicago? What is my neighborhood yeah, in Chicago? Our neighborhood is Rogers Park. What's your neighborhood? Well, I live in, I live in suburbia. I live okay. up in Kenilworth. Kenilworth, okay. Yeah. That's quite a neighborhood, I hear. <laughs> um, in any case, I really liked your answer to why do you want to become governor, and that is you know, to be near your kids, uh, to, to not be alone, um, is, is what something I read said. Um, what besides running your business uh, and the business of the Merchandise Mart for the last 30 years has captured your imagination as a citizen of our great neck of the woods? So I, my current job isn't running the Merchandise Mart. That's Thankfully, what I was trying to get to. Thankfully, somebody else is doing that. Um, but I've seen, I've seen the state from lots of different vantage points, and I'm super lucky to have done that. I, I've fallen in love with so many different aspects of it. You know, I commute downtown, I ride a bike, I love that lakefront bike path. Probably my most memorable ski run, I love to ski, was out at Chestnut Mountain. I overshot the lift line and nearly ended up in the Mississippi Hurt River. Your it's, knee? It's a, no, you end up, like, it is on the banks of the yep. Mississippi. Yep. The Palisades. Yep. What? You don't, you don't want to come in hot there. And, <laughs> I chaired the board of the University of Illinois, and probably my favorite day was at the Emaquan Reserve, which is mm. this in, incredible wetlands in, yeah. in central Illinois. And, and, and I love all that physical beauty, but I also, my wife and I run Top Box Foods, which is an anti-hunger program or all over the city and all over Cook County. And it's, not a, it's a not-for-profit, but not really a charity. We don't give anything away people buy the food from us now they get an enormous discount and it's super high quality and we can bring it right into a food desert which is what we do the people that we sell to they're our customers or our clients we talk to them and it's the people that I know here that keep me here that's what I love about the state well Chris Kennedy thank you so much for joining us this morning very early in a Saturday morning and good luck in your campaign and spreading your message to the rest of the state. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. I hope yeah. so. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Chris Kennedy. Thank you.